Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is a dear friend, Pete Chambo. Pete is a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics for the Penfield School District in New York. He's also the chairman of the NIAAA Certification Committee. Pete, welcome to the Educational AD. Thanks for having me on, Jacob. I love talking with you and have enjoyed your podcast. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Looks like uh, you're enjoying yourself with that. Uh, our podcast listeners can't see it, but there's a nice uh, uh, mountain background uh, for Pete. He's a big uh, backpacker. Well, let's go and get started. Pete, you know how busy the life of an AD is. So we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you uh, grew up, uh, where you went to school, and uh, maybe your involvement in sports growing up. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in upstate New York, if, and if you're from New York, anything above New York City is upstate, but uh, I grew up uh, on the eastern uh, plateau uh, off Lake Ontario on the foothills to the Adirondacks. Grew up in a small town called Copenhagen. Uh, I was a farm kid. I had 36 kids in my senior class, uh, of which uh, only 12 of those were girls, and uh but believe it or not, people drove their tractors to school. So um, great place to grow up, uh, large family, seven brothers and sisters. Um, and uh, loved my sports experience there. I had a couple of uh, uh, physical education, athletic coaches that really, you know, inspired me to, to love sport and, and want to be around. Uh, graduated high school there, went to uh, uh, SUNY uh, Morrisville ATC, which was a two-year college. Uh, my real rationale for going there is I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. I, I was on, I was rudderless a little bit at that point. I loved playing sports, but I didn't, other than that, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, graduated there with an associate's degree, went on to SUNY Brockport and uh, majored in physical education there and uh, quickly knew that that was the place I wanted to be, uh, and both academically and professionally. Um, fell in love with the curriculum. Uh, had no trouble getting good grades or anything like that at that point. And then uh, I left uh, Brockport and uh, got my first teaching job at uh, Geneseo High School in Geneseo, New York, which is central New York. Um, there's a, a small college there called SUNY Geneseo. And uh, 
got my first coaching experience there. I coached uh, uh, soccer, basketball, baseball, and, and I stole some money coaching golf at one point. Um, but uh, really, really enjoyed that. And, um, it, and just somehow uh, one summer day, I got a call saying that the assistant principal athletic director had uh, taken a job in the neighboring school district and they had been looking through files and seen that I had taken some administrative courses and asked me if I wanted to be a TOSA, a teacher on special assignment. And of course, being naive, I said, sure, that sounds like a great thing. Can I still coach? And, and they said, yeah. And, um, so I was then, I was coaching three sports. I had just opened a new business, an indoor soccer center in Rochester, New York. Uh, we had just had our first child. And I was the assistant principal for middle school and high school, along with athletic director. And I can honestly say I wasn't good at any of them at that point. So uh, fortunately, my wife slapped me in the head and uh, said, hey, something's got to give. So I uh, started looking around and I, I knew I couldn't go back to the classroom just the way it was in, in the district I was in. And I got lucky enough to, to uh, interview and, and get this job here at Penfield where I've been the last 21 years. And uh, even though uh, it was a full-time athletic director job, really the hours didn't reduce. I, I think Gail thought maybe if I had one less job, you know, it would reduce. But um, in the end, it's been a great choice, a great career path, uh, something I've had passion for, for certainly for the last uh, 23 years of administration. And uh, um, I feel blessed to have gotten lucky and found that spot. So. Well, you and I have known each other for a few years, and I know you always speak uh, with great fondness about your school and your district. You mentioned uh, back in high school, you had some uh, uh, some teacher coaches that had an impact on you. In our world, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentorship. Who have been some of the uh, other mentors that you have had uh, that you see and hear their voices uh, in the things that you do right now at Penfield? Boy, you know, uh, there are a lot of people. Uh, the superintendent that was here when uh, I was hired, her name was Susan Gray. And she was, she was somewhat of a groundbreaker, you know, a female superintendent uh, 20 years ago was not common. Um, she was someone that was absolutely uh, valued athletics and saw the importance of it. Um, she took the position that I'm in now from a, a position that answered to an assistant principal, to a principal, to an assistant superintendent, to a superintendent. And she said, I want the athletic administrator to answer to me. And so Sue really mentored me here uh, at Penfield in the sense of uh, administration and how to grow a program and how to have a vision here. Um, I've also been really fortunate to, to have been exposed to and mentored by Denny Freeze. Now, Denny Freeze, as you might know, is a former president of the NIAAA. Uh, but beyond that, Denny, Denny has this it factor as a person. He, he can look at different people, and he does this in our league even today, and uh, he identifies your strengths. And he doesn't push you, but guides you slowly to, to take more interest in doing things that that he sees that where you could benefit others. And I found in the past, it's very hard to say no to Denny. Um, and that's not a negative, it's, 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 
it's become a thing where I just don't want to let him down. And uh, so I, I feel really fortunate to be guided by him along the way. Um, you know, Jake, this isn't blowing smoke, but I, I get exposed through the NIAAA to people like yourself and Paul Grapp and others that are on our committee. We're, we're both exposed to Sherry Stice and Ed Lockwood, you know, Phil Risen and Mike Black. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're exposed to these great personalities and these uh, true professionals all the time. And, and there's, I don't care who you are. It, 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 at worst case scenario, it would happen by osmosis that you would just be better. And I'm constantly inspired by, again, talking to people like yourself, uh, knowing that you're pushing the envelope where you are and listening to the things you're doing and knowing that I want to do the same thing for my area and my district. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I've tried to tell others that, you know, any good idea that I've ever expressed, uh, usually the genesis has been someone at our local or state or national level that, you know, you heard them talking about it and you said, okay, maybe I can do that in my school. So absolutely. You know, I think athletic directors, are very good uh, thieves of good ideas. Uh, you've been at Penfield now for a number of years, you know, started as a young uh, AD, young coach. What are some of the changes in the daily routine that you've seen over the years from maybe when you first started as an AD to now? How has the job changed? Well, um, the job, the job, itself is essentially the same. You're, you're responsible for guiding a program. Um, I think once you become an AD at a school, you, you need to create your own vision. You have to have, you have to be goal setting constantly. And um, I think when I came here, Jake, we, we had a Cinders track still. And it was never 400 meters ever in its life was it 400 meters. And over the years of developing projects, we, we now have a turf field and then um, uh, a new all surface track, which was just, you know, resurfaced last week. And it seems hard to believe to me that it was redone because it, it was just new to me 12 years ago. So, you know, um, I think the responsibilities of coaches have changed over the years. New York State's highly regulated. The responsibilities of coaches are um, higher than they've ever been. Um, you know, DASA training here in New York was something that was added. Uh, we didn't used to uh, follow the NFHS model for coaches, but now we have that as a choice. We had our own localized BOCES training that was very similar, but was regulated locally. Um, I would like to think that I've had a huge impact on my coaches through 3D coaching. We've, we've adopted the 3D coaching model here. And when I came here, um, I can't say there was any professional development necessarily for coaches. It was hire the best coach, uh, you know, potentially send them to a clinic or two. But I didn't feel like I was guiding their leadership at, at any level. And so I'm proud of the fact that uh, now we have coaches um, – meeting in groups where the football coach could be in the same room with the gymnastics coach talking about best practice um, and how to create better team cohesion, um, you know, talking about their why as coaches, uh, sharing ideas of how to motivate people. 
Um, and to me, it's a little bit of magic in that because, uh, you know, I don't care where you are. We all have good coaches. Some of them just don't know where they need to go yet. Um, I have one coach been coaching for 42 years here, and I, I can ask him in a meeting now in front of others. His, his name is Dave. We all call him Hen. Say, Hen, how do you want to be better? And now 42 years, you'd say to yourself, well, you know, I've kind of seen it all. He, he's constantly going, well, you know what? I saw this last week, and I, and I saw, uh, I don't know, Rich, the football coach, doing this with his kids. And I really like the idea. I thought it, you know, was a way to bring kids together. You know, that's magic to me that, that people who have a passion for coaching, uh, continue to be learners. The other thing is, is I've been blessed. I, maybe I'm lucky or maybe it's because I'm, I'm hardworking with my coaches, but my staff is pretty consistent. They'll have a lot of turnover. Many of the people that have been here, whether they're varsity or JV modified, um, you know, freshmen, they stay in the program somehow. They they want to they want to be here. It seems like a good place to be. Yeah, I think that's a characteristic of successful programs is you have those, uh, whether you want to call them lifers or veteran coaches, uh, they spend 20, 30 years at the junior high level coaching those kids, sending them up. Same thing with JV. So that's a, a great, great asset. Um, Obviously, you know, you're involved uh, at the national level, um, and uh, I know you're former uh, state president. Uh, talk a little bit about your involvement with the Section 1 uh, Institute that uh, y'all hold uh, each year. You know, kind of how that got started and, and your continued involvement with it. Yeah, so um, the Section 1 Summer Institute's held in uh, Brewster, Mass., which is on Cape Cod. Uh, if you think about uh, Cape Cod, it's right on the inside of the elbow where Brewster is. And we're lucky with the location a bit. We, we go to the Ocean Edge Resort. It's a 400-acre resort. And they have condominiums on one half of the resort, which lends themselves very well to a family. And so the Institute would have been 18, year old, or 18 years old this summer. We weren't able to hold it, so we'll, we'll hold our breath on that next summer. But um, Denny Freeze and Walt Sargent and several other athletic administrators from the Northeast Section 1 uh, thought it would be a good idea to start this. And um, they successfully ran the Institute for 10 years. And they decided that they, they had done it enough and they were going to drop it. And Steve Young from New Rochelle and myself, and you, I think you know Steve, um, uh, decided, hey, we don't want this to die. We, we love it. We bring our families here every year. We do, Steve and I do. And so we took it over. Um, there, there's a lot to it. You've got to coordinate with the hotel. You've got to negotiate a contract. Uh, we build the conference around strictly professional development, so LTI courses. Um, we try to offer a, uh, all the new courses each year. And we also try very hard to bring in a variance of staff from all over the country who are the best at teaching specific courses. Um, there are a couple people who have been there consistently, consistently since the beginning. Lee Green was with us up until last year. Uh, unfortunately, Lee's health doesn't allow him to come at this point. Holly Farnese has been there every year since we uh, started. Um, but uh, we offer a 
reception for all the attendees so they get to know each other. We uh, used to do a lobster cruise in the evening, but that really priced out a lot of families. And we, we talk about families. So what we've done is we've uh, tied up and connected with the Cape Cod Wooden Bat League. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's some of the best college players around the nation come to Cape Cod each summer and they pay, play in the Cape Cod Wooden Bat League. And so that league has embraced us and we travel to different towns around the Cape each year and they allow us to section off an area for the directors and their families who are in attendance. They give you a ticket so that every kid and family can have a hot dog or a hamburger and fries and a drink. And they let the kids throw out the first pitch and it really becomes more about, you know, family. And then we run a reception each year where um, we offer drinks and hors d'oeuvres and we run a highly contested bocce ball tournament. And uh, at one point it had the name War by the Shore, but we had to cool that down. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a connection, a high connection in section one, but we get a really good attendance from around the nation and literally around the world. We've had uh, as many as four international directors in the summer come from everywhere from South Africa to Indonesia to Israel. Um, and they really add a nice flavor to the courses, the conversations that happen in the courses. But uh, that Summer Institute is, is a labor of love. And as you know, Jake, because I know you've been asking me about that opportunity to come teach there, um, I really have to fight off people. Uh, you know, when is my turn to come be an instructor there? And, and that's not just because it's a, it's a great place to take your family. It's just a great place to do professional development. Well, you're absolutely right. I can attest to uh, what a great uh, conference it is. Uh, my wife and I came up and uh, attended. You know, I was at the uh, um, the sessions during the day, and she was out shopping and and doing those types of things. But no, we had a, a wonderful time uh, personally and a tremendous time uh, professionally. Uh, we're actually trying to kick around uh, creating our own uh, winter um, conference. Uh, down here in Florida, you know, try to get you guys uh, out of the cold uh, uh, northeast and come down to Florida in January. So uh, I'll, I'll let you know if we can get uh, get that going. Let's um, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, COVID has obviously uh, been a topic of uh, much discussion. You know, these past several months. Uh, just real briefly, what were some things that you did this past spring uh, with your school as a response to COVID? Uh, and you know, not having spring sports, and um, obviously we know the response is different around the country. Uh, what are some things that you're looking at doing now, this coming, uh, well, during the summer and this coming fall, uh, with Penfield Athletics? Yeah, things things were pretty stringent here in New York, Jake. Uh, uh, as you know, early on in the COVID pandemic. Uh, uh, downstate New York, especially New York City, was hit rather hard. And numbers were super high. And everything pretty much just got shut off. The valve was shut off. We didn't have school initially. Uh, it actually took uh, a couple of weeks, even uh, three weeks, to get up and running. Uh, we were 100% virtual learning. And that was the proverbial flying the plane and building it at the same time type of thing. Uh, we we were using mostly Zoom platform, but we had 
different instructors on different platforms and quickly found out that, you know, you might assume everybody has access to internet, but everybody doesn't. Uh, you might, cons might assume that everybody has a computer in their house, but everybody doesn't. So distribution of computers. I spent most of the months during, uh, from March until uh, mid-June, I actually worked in the cafeteria here. Uh, we, we produce meals for our community. And during that time frame, we distri distributed over 50,000 meals. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was something that uh, quite honestly was fulfilling in the sense that it was giving back to other people who were in need. You know, uh, here in our state, if you're on free and reduced lunch, you know, that's something you become dependent on. Uh, we, we took the tack that we didn't even ask people, you know, whether or not they needed it. If they showed up and asked for it, we gave it to them. Um, so I did that. Uh, as far as the sports season, we were constantly in hope that we'd be back, we'd be back. And I don't know if that's how it happened other places, but it just never happened. And so we ended up, even today, uh, believe it or not, we're in the process of a two-day virtual or in-person graduation ceremony. But we had to have people make appointments to come in, get their picture taken, have the diploma handed to them by the principal, um, you know, to cross the stage type of thing. Uh, but uh, coaches did a lot of uh, virtual coaching. We did pay our coaches this spring. Um, and I, I, I'm interested to talk to my staff in person about whether, how that helped them grow as a coach. Did they understand that communication went beyond, you know, physical practice and, and how that might've either made them a better coach or how, how they recognize some shortcomings. I haven't had that opportunity and I am actually looking forward to discussing that with them. But, uh, you know, virtual celebrations of senior days and trying to honor the things that, you know, you take for granted. We, we didn't have proms, we didn't have senior days, didn't have sectionals, we didn't have states. Um, you know, we had teams that were still in the state tournament when they shut everything down. And then there was this delay about, can you go, can you go, can you go? And then slowly it was this trickle trickle of nope that's off that's off uh as we enter the fall i was talking to you before we started today's podcast uh new york state announced last week the new york state public high school athletics association announced that our anticipated august 21st start date which would have been our official start date for this fall is pushed back now to september 21st and should we not start on September 21st, the um, New York State Public High School Association's COVID task force has come up with a plan for abbreviated seasons starting January 4th, and it would run through the end of June. So we would have three different seasons from January 4th to the end of June in New York, that being fall, winter, and spring sports. Some of the sports would move seasons. That hasn't been determined yet. Uh, it was uh, not unanimous, but overwhelmingly supported to not have state championships this year. So there won't be any regional or state championship events going on anywhere in New York. It'll all be localized sectional play. How, um, how have your uh, kids, your coaches, your parents uh, responded to, uh, to that announcement? Uh, I think the kids respond better almost always. 
to things than the adults do. Um, as adults, we deal with what we know. And, and when, when I say that, we, we want the same things for our kids that we had when we were kids. So if it, you know, if there was a traditional season and there were traditional playoffs and all that, parents want that for their kids. The kids, I could look out my window right now, Jake, and out on our turf, I know there's kids out there practicing field hockey, kicking field goals, uh, throwing lacrosse balls and uh, playing soccer and some kids up on the track. So the kids are continuing to do the things they love. Uh, locally in New York, there's a lot of confusion because while well, the state is saying that the uh, scholastic, interscholastic sports may not take place, right now we do have uh, youth soccer, youth softball, youth baseball, um, all going on uh, as normal. Um, competing in tournaments every weekend and traveling, uh, quite honestly, to other states to compete. And it, it's kind of um, status quo in some sense of that. Although, you know, they're supposedly practicing good social distancing and masking and things like that. But I can look up on the field and tell you the rec department right now has a rec camp going on. And I see the normal bean piles that I would see any other summers. Um, let's go and shift gears to something more positive. Um, uh, again, you and I, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, I think um, we would both say we're living the dream. What are some things that you really enjoy about the job? What gets you excited about coming to school each day? Well, I, I think the first part of our conversation was I had two people when I was a, a student athlete that inspired me. And I just love seeing the passion of the high school athlete to come to practice, to go to a game, to learn. They're, they're constantly hungry. Um, they play because they love play. And I don't think you can get that feeling in many other parts of life. Uh, you know. And I've always told people that one of the beautiful things about athletics is that there are three seasons. Now, school starts once a year. You get this exciting start of year, and then you work your way to the end. Well, in sports seasons, you know, you got this start of the season's always with anticipation. And you play the season, and it's not, quite honestly, it's not that long. And you get to the playoffs, and there's this other anticipation. And even if you're not successful, there's the next season coming. And so all of a sudden, you've gone from fall to winter with that same anticipation and same participation. and then playoffs and then to the spring and so that's always made it for me I quite honestly fun um, you know uh, I think any athletic director would tell you sometimes the, the 12 13 and 14 hour days do run long and uh, if you if you like Saturdays don't become an athletic director because they're those are eaten up for two-thirds of the year but other people would come in and tell you or I on the evening man I want your job this is the greatest job ever you know, they see you watching a game and they think this is all you do is watch games. And, and in some ways, they're right. There's some there's some gravy when you get to see, you know, kids playing the games and you made sure there were officials. You made sure the field was ready. <laughs> you know, you, you paid the scorekeeper. You've got supervisors. And, well, they may not understand all the prep for all that. There's some pleasure in, in throwing a party. And if you think about it, every time we have a game, it's a party, right? And in my district, we throw 2,100 parties a year uh, on campus. And that's a lot of parties. I've never heard that expression, but I love it. Uh, and, of course, I'm going to steal it, too. Uh, <laughs> All yours, Dave. Take it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, uh, that, that another cliche. Uh, everybody wants their jobs on Friday night, you know, when they see us walking around, uh, uh, you know, managing the kingdom. But uh, nobody wants it Saturday. Nobody wants it during the week. Nobody wants it during the summer. But uh, where else can you get paid to, uh, you know, go out and, and watch a practice or go out and hang out with some kids? So, no, great stuff. Yeah. Well, Pete, we, uh, we've almost reached the end of the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Um, as a veteran AD, uh, you know, you've got everything you need, uh, you know, in your toolbox. And you're getting ready to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their oh, wow. toolbox. What three items are going to go in Pete Chambo's athletic director toolbox? Wow, that's that's not many tools. Um, make them good. <laughs> well, I think you're going to, one, you're going to start with patience being the tool. Um, the a problem that you might've seen 10 times, it might be the very first time that parent or athletes face that problem. And so while you might be going, why are you asking that question in your head? There's no way you could say that, you know, it's, it's, it's new to them. Um, Second tool would be to remember it's just a game. Um, I can remember being a young administrator and maybe being too wrapped up in the events to the, to the point where I was questioning officials myself, maybe not verbally, but mentally. And so I would, I would say, you know, keep some focus on what you're really there to do. Uh, third tool in that toolbox. Uh, I would say don't sacrifice your family for your job. If, if you're, if you're going to do this job, have a plan to keep your family either involved in your job or keep your family first and don't sacrifice them for the job. And there's lots of times, as you know, that you need to be at a christening and there's a football game and how are you going to manage that a wedding uh, you name it a birthday party and sometimes i think back and i think no one would have died if i didn't go to the football game if i was good better organized and made sure other people were in place i somehow felt like they would but <laughs> it wasn't i've always told my boss that i would i would never host a party at my house and leave you know well the party's going on and that's how I always felt here at school you know if, if there are events going on how can I go home how, how can I, I now if you got you know other people watching the house and, and it's all organized and you feel comfortable because you know the neighbors who are at the house I guess that's okay so mm -hmm. I don't know if those are the tools you're looking for but those are three off the top of my head that I would Oh, those are great, great uh, tools, words of wisdom. And I love how you work the uh, party reference back in there again. Yeah, <laughs> you can see where my mind's at these days. Yeah. No, I, I think it's absolutely true. Uh, I, uh, I've i interviewed for a, a few jobs, you know, in my career. I've been a little more uh, uh, gypsy-like than you. But uh, it always amazed me when people would say, uh, do you think the athletic director should be at uh, the home games? And my response was, well, where else would they be? Okay, you know, that's 
that's their job. Well, Pete, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Uh, great, great advice. And uh, of, of course, always, uh, always great to see my uh, certification boss as it is. <laughs> I know you're always here for me, Jake. So I'm here for you. That's right. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please join us next time for another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Remember, these episodes are also being uploaded to the Educational AD YouTube channel. That's Educate, Ath, D-I-R, and F-I-A-A on YouTube. Thanks again for listening.